Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, cats and dogs, children and babies. I am Michael, Jamal Aziz Shabazz, you know the joke, Brooks. Although the Jamal part is no joke, with my illustrious co-host, one of my best friends and the birthday boy, Waz. Big Yo. Waz. What's up, man? Thank you, thank you, thank you for the birthday wishes, man. Um, Even on my birthday, we working on the woke bros, man. That's how woke we are. We don't even sleep on our birthdays, man. I mean, I was going to say, people should never give us any trouble about a week off when <laughs> right. we're bringing this to you on a birthday. Of course, the illustrious, the... The junior evil genius in training, Rob Lopez, is steering the ship. We've got a packed show for you this week. Um, but first, let's do a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, get some info out of the way. Uh, get to me in a second. Waz, what do the people need to know? Oh, about the live show in Boston? I'm assuming there's live show in Boston, anything. Probably that's what they need to know about, right? That's really what's the pressing issue right now because, again, we're about three weeks out, um, you know, a little bit more than three weeks. March 2nd at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Of course, you know, the whole Count the Dings crew will be there. Of course, as always, we will have a shit ton of special guests that you guys would like surprise guesses, giveaways, all that good stuff. You know, as we get closer to the date, uh, you know how everybody is, especially our listeners, procrastinators. We'll be buying up those tickets the closer we get to the date. You don't want to miss out. So please go get your tickets as soon as you can, because I don't want to hear, yo, man, I try fun got my shit right. I wanted to get the tickets. They don't matter. You had you had since damn near February of last year. Wow. To, to buy these tickets. Nah, I'm lying. Wow. It was like November, December, but still. Yeah, I was um, say, you <laughs> might be stretching a little bit. Yeah. Very still. disciplined, very disciplined, orderly response from Waz. Get your Boston tickets stat. See Waz in his element, the mecca of white America, yes. Boston, Massachusetts. With my people, Waz the white feel- people. All right, so definitely get out there. Go to Boston. That's going to be, as all Count the Dings shows and all Count the Dings things, incredibly good. You don't want to miss it, and you will obviously want to see Waz and his just sort of black Israelite reaction to Boston. Uh, And uh, I want to just say, I mean, definitely some Count the Dings people came, uh, some Woke Bros fans, but of course, first and foremost, TMBS fans, we Ended up packing the bell house. People were standing in the back. We had a great time. We had an amazing crew. Of course, unfortunately, we were missing Waz. And I really wish that Rob and Jade were there. They were on the list, but I understand it was like under 10 degrees outside. I'm actually also Jade lives in Boston, bro. No, that's what he I'm saying. No, I'm very I, close I to Boston in Connecticut. <laughs> um, he lives in Connecticut. I know where he lives. I no, I mean I well, actually, he lives uh well. 
I'm not going to get into geography, but yes, it would have been hard for Jade. It been, honestly, it was so cold, like Jade, that would be extreme for him to get there. But uh, but it would have been it would have been hard to get there just even from around Brooklyn because it was so damn cold. But, uh, you know, a lot of people showed up. And I did also just want to say that because Jade was giving me some shit on the group text. Like, why are we not on the list? So I'm like, of course you're on the list. Did I forget to mention that? And I felt like a jerk. <laughs> but uh, but actually we used the DJ Danarchy remix with you and Jade to intro the show. Uh, Trevor Bull, you, uh, T from a great podcast, Champagne Sharks, Alona Minkowski, Boshgar Sumkara, the founder of Jackman Magazine. He wants to come and talk socialism and Knicks on Woke Bros, by the way. And Mike Racine, Mike Racine, who's a really funny dude. He does another really funny pod called The Sit Down with Mike Racine. Alona came out. She danced to her DMX track that I picked as her intro music, I was very happy that that worked out. I thought it was going to happen, but yeah, look, everybody had a great time. Uh, I can't even, I mean, honestly, the energy was just amazing and, and people were happy and it was awesome to meet a lot of people. And it was cool because, you know, at this point, this is probably my fourth show in the bell house. So it was cool to start basically taking TMBS on the road at the bell house now, I don't have any specific things to announce yet, but when I say start, that's a pretty strong foreshadowing of an announcement that uh, we're very excited. And I mean, the whole TMBS crew but also was, and I are excited to bring to you next week. So, and for patrons of TMBS, patreon.com slash TMBS, we're posting the whole live show for patrons if you didn't get a chance to come out and see it. So thanks to everybody. It was, it was fucking great. Um, let's um, get to it. We got to start with an action-packed week. And our first piece of action is Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who apparently – well, I mean I guess he's changed his story. Uh, but it seems really obvious that he posed in – you know, just basically grotesque blackface. And I believe 1984 is a medical student in the yearbook photo at Virginia Military College, I believe. He's standing next to another gentleman who's dressed up as a Klansman. And he has uh, shifted his story around. It turned Dynamic into, duo. Yeah, right. <laughs> dynamic duo. He turned in, but he also tried to pull a shaggy in the last couple of days. Wasn't me. The only blackface I ever did was Michael Jackson. Uh, his wife had to kind of explain to him that he shouldn't try to do the moonwalk uh, at his press conference. And I, But let me just say this. The photo's disgusting. His response is totally insufficient, a failure. So I definitely think he needs to resign. Um, but the only part of this conversation where I, – I mean there's a lot to it. But the only part that I want to actually just ask you – uh, was because I'm not sure on this myself because I am, you know, I say this all the time and usually, you know, I'm talking about things that are, you know, frankly, not that important. Um, but, th and this is important. This is actually a really serious and really fucked up thing for somebody who's going to hold public office. Um, but I'm a strong critic of, you know, this puritanical, everybody has to go culture. I think ultimately it's crabs in a barrel and nobody is perfect and everybody, you know, 
in one way, shape or form, this kind of like cult broad atmosphere of constant condemnation is not healthy for anybody. At the same time, the dialectic is uh, it's great that we're discarding and improving and putting behind disgusting and unacceptable behaviors like what Ralph Northam did. If Ralph Northam was running for governor in 2016 or 2017 and he came out right even when he was announcing and said, and there's another thing besides my, my vision of Virginia, blah, 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 that I got to get out of the way. And that is that I posed in this disgusting, racist, unforgivable photo. Uh, it was another time still absolutely wrong. Um, I've, you know, learned X, Y, and Z, not only by learned, but in fact, you know, for what it's worth, he's a conservative right-wing Democrat, but he isn't a Republican. And I'm just going to say that is a qualitative difference. He might be able to point potentially, I don't know enough about him to be honest, but to substantive things in his record on things like civil rights. And if he had done that out front and gotten it out of the way, I'm more inclined in general now to say, hey, all right, whatever it is, to be honest, as long as you know it isn't a pattern uh, and they've gotten out ahead of it. Um, what do you think about that? Or no, he just has yeah, to Yeah, I mean, look, first and foremost, I'd like to say that I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, obviously, this is terrible, right? This is a bad right. look. Uh, a guy who is holding public public office and is ostensibly supposed to be a, a public servant. Um, when you consider the black citizens of Virginia specifically, uh, the idea that they might have a problem with this and that like he might not be the right person to serve under those people, you know, the, all of those things is self evident. But you know, as my man Chuck Pierce pointed out, he was like the Dems. We don't need to be taking cues from the goddamn Republicans, right? Meaning we don't need to take cues from the people who have harbored the likes of Steve King for decades and decades, right? Like the party of the Klan, the party of the alt, right? Like we don't – they don't need to be part of the discussion. And, you know, prior examples of this are things like Shirley Sherrod. Where Obama yeah. and them jumped out yep. the window for some straight up bullshit. Like there's no right. there's no two ways about it. They let the Republicans bait them on matters of race. Like you have no standing here as right. a party. Your party, the the consistent the constituency that you serve, you guys have nothing to say about this stuff. Like stay out of this. Yes. Northam did some repugnant, disgusting things. We can figure out how to deal with this dude without the, the peanut gallery. And then, you know, stuff like Acorn as well, where the Dems right. went out of the way to, you know, um, jump out the window because of what Republic like Republicans taking cues from them on matters of race relations is just ridiculous outright. Like, we don't need to listen to these fools, man. It's a farce. Again, this is the party that harbors Steve king bro the steve what's so bad about white supremacy when did white supremacy become such a bad thing that dude that's steve king you know so i just hope the dems don't do that and i think you know we are getting better at that hold on a second. all right yeah so i think that we are getting better at that you know um as the years progress i think back in the days man they would have kowtowed to the freaking they would have kowtowed to the republicans so quickly uh, you know, we'll see what this guy decides to do and we'll see what the citizens of Virginia want. Right. 
Um, yeah, I, mean, most- I think the way he's responded to it is what makes me say he has to go because of the changing stories and all the rest of it. But I think if he had come ahead of it, you know, I think there needs to be a lot more of that, um, to be honest. And I think that's, again, that's a paradox of how do you deal with like a culture and a politics where we're actually trying to be transparent and approving, improving ourselves and owning all of our, you know, who we are and all of our humanity and mistakes. But then at the same time, you know, also not um, undermining the severity of a fuck up like this. So I, I but so but my, my thing is that and that's where I just lay my stake. It's it's in the response. That being said, I also just want to put two other things real quick on the table. Virginia's attorney general, who's also a Democrat, has admitted this morning that he also appeared in blackface. Uh, and actually, I'll get to the second point in a second. I just want to say, like, this also to me really is very like this is the type of geographic conversation that just like and, and I'm in no way like we joke about Boston all the time. That doesn't happen to be the part of Massachusetts that I grew up in. I grew up in a very different flavor. But like, you know, Boston is a notoriously racist city and also just racial, <laughs> even in terms of like interethnic white rivalries and hugely racist towards black people. So I am totally not of the school of, you know, of delusional, like white, like, like oh man, look at the South. What the fuck? That being said, what the fuck? Because, <laughs> you know, like, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, it reminds me of a conversation I had probably five years ago with a, a, a girl I was seeing at the time. And she was black. And we were, you know, we were having one of these race conversations. And Again, I, I was highly willing to, you know, I was kind of joking, like, oh, you know, the area I was in would be like, you know, everybody wanted, uh, you know, uh, fucking, I can't even think what the right example would be, but you know, like a very pro Obama area and a very like, ooh, this and that kind of area, but definitely like, uh, whoa, what the fuck is that black guy doing on the street? Let's call the cops, right? Like that kind of hypocrisy yeah. contradiction. That's like your centrist liberal right there. The centrist liberal, exactly. Very heavy, right? But I said to her, and I said, but I also said, you know, but to be honest, and this is true on the other token, like, no, people didn't say the N word when it was just white people around. Like, you didn't say that word. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure plenty of people did, but not in that particular ethos. And she grew up in the South and she's like, yo, yeah, people still just say that to you today. So again, without going into some northeast bullshit, I have to say, like, what the fuck? <laughs> people, I mean, look, I get it, and I know people from the south are tired of getting ragged on for racism, as if like it's their, it's only their burden to carry. But the right. bottom line is, man, and Virginia's not Mississippi. But Mississippi ain't Boston, bro. Like Boston ain't, or I should say Boston ain't Mississippi. It's a lot more pronounced there. It just is. I'm sorry. Like your fucking grandfather, your grandfather remembers people who fought in the Civil War, okay? Like your grandfather knew people (laughs) who fought in the Civil War. You know what I'm saying? Like on the other side, on the side. 
Right, on the wrong side. The treasonous side. <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, that's just the bottom line, you know? Like, that's just what it is. Uh, and, and again, like, this guy getting out front of it, like, yo, bro, I did the same shit when I was young. I was stupid. But, man, there's just better ways to do this, right? And I think getting out front is better. I think... And, you know, not to segue too quickly off of Northern, but did you see this Liam Neeson stuff? (laughs) Dude, I do not know. Like, I can't even. I mean, a little bit. I literally just saw headlines and I and I just was like, okay, the long story is Liam Neeson (laughs) was telling the story. And by the way, he's talking about progress that he's made in his life, essentially. Right. You know, way back decades ago. Somebody very close to him was raped. I'll tell you a story. This is true. I'm not going to use any names, but I was away and I came back and she told me she had been raped, but she handled the situation of the rape in the most extraordinary way. But my immediate reaction was, I asked, did did she know who it was? No. What color were they? She said it was a black person. I went up and down areas with a cosh, hoping I'd be uh, approached by somebody. I'm ashamed to say that. And I did it for maybe a week, hoping some black bastard would come out of a pub and have a go at me about something, you know, so that I could kill him and it was out it took me a week maybe a week and a half to kind of go for that and she said to me where are you going I said I'm just going out for a walk you know said, what's wrong no no nothing's wrong fine and it was horrible horrible when I think back but I did that and I've never admitted that to it I'm saying it to a journalist God forbid holy shit it's awful but I did learn a lesson from it when I eventually thought what the fuck are you doing you know and I come from a society I grew up in Northern Ireland in the Troubles and I, you know I I knew a couple of guys that died on hunger strike and I had acquaintances that were very caught up in the Troubles and I understand that need for revenge but it just leads to more revenge and more killing and more killing and you know Ireland Northern Ireland is proof of that you know all, all the stuff that's happening in the world at the minute, the violence is proof of that, you know. So it's... Uh, so, but that's... Yeah, primal need, I, I understand, you, you can know. relate to that. Like, essentially, he wanted to commit an, a, a revenge murder, not against the person who actually perpetrated the crime, but just any black criminal. Like, any, any black person at all would have, you know would have been done just fine for him. but and, and people jumped down his throat. And, you know, some of it is justifiable. Like, that's a very vile thing. And I think Liam Neeson was like, this is something I had to overcome. I had to get better than that. Like, I had to move past my biases and ignorance and all of that. And his, basically, his follow-up interview on Good Morning America didn't really do him any favors. You're admitting that it was wrong. You've learned from that. But you have to also understand the pain of a, of a black person of hearing what you, what of you said. Of course, absolutely. That. You're absolutely right, yeah. 
And at the time, even though it was nearly 40 years ago, I, I didn't think about that. Mm. All those things surprised me. But it was this primal yeah. hatred, I guess, that really, really shocked me. When I eventually came down to earth yeah. and saw what I was doing, going out looking for a fight. But I think this is the problem with the discourse. I think somebody like Liam Neeson needs the space to actually admit something like that. Right. Because I think he's mm -hmm. speaking for a lot of non-black people when they're like, when I think of black people, I think of criminals. Right. It doesn't matter right. that, uh, you know, empirical evidence suggests otherwise that most black people are just, you know, just fine being law abiding citizens. But like, you know, it's just I have these biases and this is why and I need to work to overcome them. I think these conversations need to happen. Right. Not the we don't need to have the conversation of Liam Neeson was justified. Like basically he wanted to go out and lynch somebody essentially. Right. Well, that's you know see, that's I love that. I mean, yeah, I think that is the really like the way these conversations seem to happen and. Granted, of course, and this is where we can just say like social media sucks and it brings out the worst in everybody. But it's like it, it, yeah, it immediately peels into. I mean, so one problem, which is the obvious problem that anybody like us is going to know, is the like this was in the past. Like, shut up, you know, like be colorblind, right? Like all of the various versions of either like the racism or sexism of um, pretending or trying to assert that those things don't exist uh, all the way out through, you know, the new more overt forms of like, as an example, we have a fucking white nationalist president. But then on the flip side, in these woke circles, it's and and I'm I'm to me like this is just like an objective comment, right? Like I, I understand even like some of the like. Well, you know, yeah, I get it. Like it's it's on both ends because first fucking Liam Neeson basically comes out and says that he was looking to lynch somebody as a young person, which is fucking horrifying and racist. And also I have to say, like, I would imagine no surprise to somebody who's grown up black in the Western world. Um, and then on the other hand, right, like the Bottom line is, though, is that in order to get to an in place of improvement, there's going to need to be um, the space and the generosity for people to own mistakes and have that conversation. So what you see in yeah. And so what you see in – it's funny because you see like the right wing and the dominant culture still is just trying to say like it isn't a problem. Shut the fuck up. Stop complaining. All of the usual tools of – not dealing with racism as an example. But then in the woke circles, it's like, well, you made any mistake, so you're done, and we don't do that, and that's canceled, and yada, 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 and all right. of that really, really toxic, puritanical, like religious kind of fervor and bullshit. And then you have these people, you know, and that is where like the joke of like, you know, like the Sasha Baron Cohen character, like that, you know, these, you know, very silly kind of like performative white men and then this kind of like really showing how woke they are. And so then what you don't have is you don't have the actual ground of how do we actually all get better 
And that also means that there's enough uh, literal space where, you know, people can own their shit. People can, uh, you know, generally evolve. Right. I mean, that's you know, that is almost like when you think of something like a truth and reconciliation commission in South Africa. But if you have this environment of like people need to be destroyed and da, 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 that in and of itself is wrong and unhealthy. I don't know the answers to all of the specific ones. Like, I'll be honest, I saw the headlines of the Liam Neeson one, and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. Right? So and you know what, Mike, though? Up. You know what I think is, is lost in the conversation? I think the subtext of the Liam um, Neeson the Liam Neeson story is as a young man, whether this be in the eighties is like, okay, one, there's your, your, your very close friend being attacked by a, uh, by a black person. But again, the subtext is when you turn on your news, when you turn on your TV, when you hear things, what's happening in places like Chicago and New York at those times, and who's being blamed for that? Who's the face of that um, That poverty, that struggle, the type of shit that makes somebody go out and commit a crime, whether it be robbing somebody, raping somebody, the economic conditions that allow for that, like, you know, this stuff, and, and the reason why I bring it up is because, Michael, this stuff works on black people. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, right. Like, like we're engineered, the, the, like we're engineered as American people to believe these things about black people. And it's so potent that it works on black people against other black people. So now just imagine somebody who's growing up in a culture of white supremacy where every day they're taught the message that you're white, you're good. All black people are bad. Right. Uh, like, right. you know, and again, like I said, like this shit works on black people. So people need to acknowledge that subtext, too. And not to say that it gives Liam Neeson a blank slate and he gets to do what he wants. He's like, no, we can acknowledge the reality. Right. Like this is something that needs to be worked on. It needs to be stamped out. And another thing that I'll say about our conversation about race it's like both overrated and underrated at the same time. Yes. And I say, <laughs> and I say like overrated in the sense like, bro, a person can be racist and not be completely crippled by it, right? Like I need white people to know like, yes, racism is a big deal, but you being a racist doesn't make you Lucifer reincarnated, right? Like you're just you're just a finished product of the racism factory of our system. Like you're just a perfect product. You have no defects. Right. But the system was designed for you to get that way. And that's, again, not to make an excuse or what. It's just reality. Like just because somebody's racist doesn't mean that, you know, they 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 wouldn't help a granny across the street or, you know, they'd want to hurt little kids or they want to kill maim animals and torture animals. No, like these things don't go hand in hand. Like you can be a racist and be decent about twelve hundred other human qualities right and human things um i think that's what we kind of overrate racism is like yeah liam neeson could have been a fucking complete dickhead when he was younger and still be somebody who's useful as an adult you know I useful to society also, yeah i i mean i also just think to be honest like to kind of follow up on that and this is where i'll you know hit my marxism pretty hot heavily because i i just I think you're right like Look, so many of these things are determined by larger forces, you know, our our economic position, um, the fact that people are encultured into racism, you know, like all of this stuff. So 
that doesn't mean it lets the individual off. It doesn't mean that we don't have our own obligations to learn and improve, but it also means that like, and again, this is another failing of that, of a certain kind of like liberal woke thing is it really misaligns the priority. Like it kind of goes from when we know there are these big macro structures that systemically abuse groups of people and inculcate all of this cultural toxicity. And now I'm going to land the bullseye of that problem on you know, some micro behavior and versus, you know, again, I'm not even saying you can address those, of course, but those are the small after effect and consequences of large systems that actually need to be dealt with. And, you know, on top of that too, like I also just in general, to be honest, I'm much like what, and, and this is a genuine question for me. Like what is, what are the kind of like ranges here of what we need, right? So I'm, I'm always trying to like draw, like even now when we talk about like white supremacy, I can totally accept, acknowledge, and agree with the fact that 100% of white people in this country are uh, racist on some level, just by definition of how – of the atmosphere we came in. In the way you're talking about how black people are affected by the same narratives, 100%. Conversely, as like a practical politics of what that actually looks like, I'm going to shrink it to if you support the border wall, right? Like that's a tangible manifestation of you want to do something with our money and our politics that is an overt act of white supremacy. That is more um, concrete. And I just think that like you know, some of these conversations, to be honest, really, to me, come on like the context you're in. Like, I, as far as I'm concerned, every single American needs to strongly support civil rights. They need to have a strong agenda about policing and about justice, and they need to be willing to work with a community of their peers, no matter what their racial or sexual identity, uh, to achieve common ends. That's the bare minimum. That's how. That's what we got to work to get everybody on, right? And then other things, to be honest, it's like, I don't know, if you want to date inside your race, if you want to primarily be inside your own enclave, as long as that doesn't turn into hostility, I don't care. And I even think some of the conversations that people get very focused on are more alive, honestly, in you know social environments where people are dealing with much more like subtle forms of interaction. But in these other big picture ways, it's like, look, what are the legal mechanisms so everybody gets paid equally? And what are the social mechanisms so people can come together in unions and community and everything else? And what is the raw political power that needs to amass so that there's full civil rights? And then, you know, so I'm kind of like at the point, too, where it's like, you know, in some ways, it's like I don't even care what's in people's hearts, you know. Like by the same token, if I don't I think never, it's gonna, I never have, right? And by this, because by the same token, the last thing I'll say is like, you know, if if someone like who I do not like and don't trust as a politician, like Joe Biden or you know, or Cory Booker, you know what? If historical circumstances set up the context where they're the one. And I don't think this will be the case, which is why I won't support them. But if it changed and they were the ones to bring Medicare for all, awesome. Oh, I my God. 
I just flip, so, flip flop on them in a second. <laughs> of course. And so people are – again, it's like getting out of this religious mode and getting into what are – like what is – like first of all, if you want to deal with people's personalities and beliefs and, and behavior and everything, then there needs to be a much more kind of sophisticated psychological approach to that. And then as far as politics goes, let's just get to the fucking politics. Yeah, I and and you know, obviously I I agree with all that. And and you know, to and I'm glad you brought up the primary and whether it be people like Kamala Harris who you and I did a nice little people really love that Kamala Harris deep dive by the way. Um good. we did we did a nice little deep dive on that, but it's the bottom line is for her to win <laughs> the party is in such a place now that for her to win that nomination she, she has to meet us at the table, right? Like um, the lefties have a seat at the table these days. So the, the bottom line, in order for her to win, she has to cede some of our points, right? And we have the obligation to hold these people's feet to the fire and to go out and carry out these things. But does it like in the grand scheme of things? Yes, it matters to those people and their families like who got locked up, who's, you know, the parents who got harassed by truancy cops and all of that shit. That shit matters. But like we still need that Medicare for all if she's our candidate. Right. Um, yeah. and, and I think it's easy to hold. I don't think it's so hard to hold those two thoughts um, at the same time, if you will. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that that's actually the big thing in general that maybe I'm getting at, that people need to hold two thoughts at the same time much more broadly. And and I think also save, you know, that real ammo um, for, you know, the Trumps of the world who actually really do need the, to. The Mitch like McConnell's. We need, to, we need, need to find a way to get some brown and black folk into Kentucky, man. Figure that thing out. I don't know, man. Because <laughs> Mitch McConnell is a scourge, bro. My oh, lord, bro. He's a scumbag. He's to the ass- point where just like the sight of, I don't even want to read shit about him anymore. Like he really makes my blood boil, dude. Like even more so than um the Cheeto in chief at this point, bro. Like I I, I like Mitch McConnell gets my gears grinded, bro. Uh hate Mitch that. Mitch McConnell's the worst. Like, no, but he really is, bro. No, he's, he's no, all of God right people. now. Of course, because on some level, it's not even, I'm not even trying, like, Trump is the worst, too, and I'm not, like, I would never let him off the hook, but, you know. But his Trump level is, of competency is not in the same yeah, ballpark. Trump, yes, Mitch McConnell's the grave digger of this. Paul Bearer. <laughs> <laughs> was arrested in Atlanta over the weekend. He was taken into custody and they're saying that he could possibly be removed from the United States. Now, according to an ICE spokesperson, and this is all for immigration, they're saying that he entered the U.S. legally in 2005, but his visa expired and reportedly he is here illegally. So he's being held for removal proceedings for being in the country illegally. Take a dive. Put away my pride. my pride. Shoot my shot. DM Jai slide. Yeah, slide. She in front, but she used to be my side. Be my side. We take selfies now. I used to end her life. But for the fame, Plan B was robbing banks. Be a mad man right now. I just can't. I just can't. All the love they gave me knew that it was fake. It was 
My mama love me so much either way I'm straight I done seen so many handshakes turn to hate Seen so many BFs turn SNAK Step before this sun a tatted on my face Where I run that checkup should've been with Chase Started the bottom, the trenches, the gutter, so I had to go a little harder Lights was off, the gas was off, so we had to boil up the water Been through some things, but I couldn't imagine my kids stuck at the border Flint still need water, people was innocent, couldn't get lawyers Man, yo, this stuff is all flowing seamlessly today I can't front Rob Lopez, we did a good job producing this show uh, I wanted to move into this 21 situation with the ICE, in, with the ICE agents Um... He was in a car with a young, like, Atlanta up-and-coming artist, this guy named Nudie, who, by all indications, has uh, a rap sheet, has a record in what we call the streets, right? Um, allegedly, he's committed a few crimes, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the authorities over there in Atlanta have basically—they had a case built on this guy. They've been building a case on this guy for months now. Um, 21 Savage, of course, is in a car with him, as is custom, when the police stop you and they're about to arrest somebody, um, they ran his name. They ran his ID and they found out that, yo, his stat, he's not a U.S. citizen. So the protocol now, the protocol now is to call the fucking ICE agents. As soon as you get your hands on an immigrant, essentially, you don't have your green card. They're, and you don't have an American, basically, uh, ID, they are calling the immigration officials on you. And we, the ICE is called on 21, and they take this guy into custody, and he's still in custody. Um, and again, this is a guy who pays a shit ton of taxes, employs a shit ton of people, is taking care of his family, is a millionaire. And because of the, you know, basically our policy aims under this regime, as far as immigration is concerned, this guy is still being detained. So, and then, again, this is a guy with means. He has a corporation like Sony Music, Epic Records behind him. He has millions of his own dollars. He's being detained. What do you think are happening to poor people from South, South and Central America, man? Like, what do we think they're doing to these type of folks? You know what I'm saying? People who don't have the social capital. Um, I just think right. one to 21 shit is very sad and heartening, but man, yo, it really made me think of the folks who don't have all the shit that he has the access to and what are they going to do? Yeah, I, I have no, I mean, hundred percent. I'm, I'm completely with you. And I think that, I mean, look, <laughs> the, the bigger picture of this policy with Trump and the Republican Party, and we've said it, I mean, you're trying to ethnically cleanse the electorate because the fusion, I always say it, we should have some type of ding for this. The Republican Party's is marriage of oligarchy and white identity politics. And while I don't, I hate when demographic, when Democrats do, you know, demographics or destiny, we don't really need to do anything because it's a multicultural country and Republicans are obviously such, you know, so bad that, you know, people of color will essentially have to vote for us no matter what we do. I hate that posture. I criticize Democrats for that. And at the same time, the Republicans are the white identity, white nationalist party. And so, you know, this is and, and this is also another good lesson too. why you absolutely do need to do things like abolish ICE. And, and I'm not saying 
no border. I hope people, you know, follow, but I'm saying demilitarize the border. That's a completely different question. And really have, and of course, give full, complete citizenship to people, you know, the over 10 million people living here right now, not just the dreamers, not just people with temporary protective status, but everybody just get the system clean, right, just and safe for every single American, uh, period. And I do say American. But, you know, because whether it be Trump or somebody else, I think people do have to realize that Republicans, they tried the you know, business friendly version, George W. Bush and John McCain were both, you know, the kind of like essentially, you know, corporations want guest workers. Uh, we need to have some type of I mean, still really punitive, but a path to citizenship. And also, you know, they were thinking to themselves, you know, we don't want to completely alienate Hispanics. But what Trump did and where the Republican Party's at is it's, you know, it's like a brand. It's like McDonald's might look at some survey data that say that you know increasingly Americans are interested in eating healthier food and organic food and exercising and blah blah blah. So okay, what do we do? We need to get healthier. But then they realize like at the end of the day, day in and day out, people are coming in here to buy Big Macs and you know maybe we throw a salad on the menu that ends up having more calories than the Big Mac anyways. <laughs> but we can't really transition to a healthy menu. The Republicans are a white nationalist party. They're not going to make that transition. At the end of the day, big business doesn't care because their bottom line is just tax giveaways and deregulation. So focus on Trump and the criminality and viciousness of this policy. I mean 100 percent. If it's happening at 21 Savage, think of the children that have died as a result of this barbarism. But also realize that you know, it's not good enough to just stop the most egregious things. You need to dismantle this whole infrastructure because, I mean, one, in and of itself, it's the right thing to do. And two, I think any Republican that gets an office is going to do stuff like this, even if they don't have the same overtly racist rhetoric as Trump. Perfectly said, bro. And with that, man, that's that's this week's episode of The Woke Bros. Uh, make sure y'all tune in next week for the special announcement, man. I, I will say if you are on what we call the left coast, you will be happy about this news. Uh, of course, make sure you get your tickets to Count the Dings live at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That's March the 2nd. We're going to be live and direct. I plan on acting the ass, so you don't want to miss that. Of course, shouts to Jade Hoy. You know, the evil producer shouts to the entire Counter Dings crew. Um, we're in the midst of putting together something real beautiful and special, man. That's some other news that's that's being wrapped up, gift wrapped and bowed up as we speak. I can't wait till we get a chance to announce that. Uh, and of course, man, Rob Lopez, man, you doing your thing out here, Brody. Uh, we was able to put this episode together. We actually recorded hours earlier than we normally do because of schedule constraints. But I think we knocked it out the park anyway. So I want to thank Rob for all of that, the organization. And of course, thanks to the TMBS community, the Count the Dings community, the cross-pollinated community of both. I just want to thank all you guys for the support and the love on my birthday, man. It's amazing uh, how many people have reached out from both communities to send love my way. I appreciate all that shit. Uh, we will see you guys next week. We out.